Gerritsen and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. For the fourth time in six years, your Kansas City Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl as Patrick Mahomes will look to grab ring number three before his age 30 season and look to become the first team in nearly two decades, the New England Patriots, to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Yes, your Kansas City Chiefs are headed to Vegas after a 17-10 win over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC title game. You are tuned into The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside the great producer, Jake Gutierrez. So, so much to get into. And there's going to be a lot of passion in today's show because that might have been the most satisfying win Patrick Mahomes has ever had. Uh, And maybe that's just copy-paste from the week before. I'm probably sure I said that after the Buffalo game. I don't know, though. Uh, I'm not sold that it was the Chiefs versus the world against Buffalo. It sure as hell was the Chiefs versus the world yesterday. And what's so ironic about this team is throughout the season, uh, they were very unlikable, I would say. They lost more than any Patrick Mahomes team. Oh, they always had the the pointing the finger the other way. Now, we don't even need to get into Kadarius Tony today because you know he surfaced right before the game yesterday. Shows you how selfish he is. Well, you know, MVS is pointing fingers the other way. It seemed like it was a little bit of a fractured locker room, but in the end, it never was that fractured. Uh, this team, who looked so weak at times is back in the Super Bowl. It was inevitable. And boy, did I take satisfaction in 31 NFL fan bases yesterday clinging to one team, begging them to prevent the Chiefs from getting back, and then turning even national pundits into 15-year-old boys complaining about officials after the game. That's how much power... The Chiefs have around the league. And just go anywhere on social media today. You'll see a crying fan saying, oh, this is going to be the worst Super Bowl ever. I'm not watching it. Good. Nobody needs you to. It's probably going to be one of the highest rated Super Bowls because of Taylor Swift alone. Is it going to bring, what, millions of Swifties to watch this game? Yeah, just by default, it's going to be one of the most watched. But two decorated franchises, the two villains, let's be honest. The Niners, not to the level of the Chiefs or the Patriots, but they're villains. (laughs) I don't think many NFL teams like the Niners because they've celebrated a lot of success. They've got a very prideful fan base. And yet, they ruined America's team. Detroit. Detroit blew a 17-point lead. And then Baltimore on the AFC side was America's team. Lamar, they're, they're hoisting Lamar up. Mahomes has never seen a team like this before. Oh, they've never seen a stadium like MNT Bank. The Ravens are going to obliterate the Chiefs. They're going to crush them. Oh, even in the pregame. You know, the Chiefs somewhat giving them bulletin board material. Mahomes and Kelsey, you know, tossing aside Justin Tucker's warm-up tee. And I'm seeing everybody go, oh, Ravens by 50. Justin Tucker, a 75-yard field goal today. And you know what's great? 
about all of that is I don't think anybody in Kansas City even batted an eye at that. You know, one Justin Tucker's warming up on the Chiefs' side of the field, putting his tee at the goal line as if he's going to be kicking field goals from there. It was a great mind game that he was playing. I welcome that. I love that in the NFL. You should try to get chippy. There was a fight before the game. I love it. It's all mind games. But Mahomes and Kelsey tossing it aside, what's great is they are the bully on the block. They'll steal your your lunch sack eat your sandwich right in front of you, and everybody will go, hey, that's not fair. You can't do that. And they'll do it again the next day. They don't care. They don't care what people are saying about them. They are embracing the villain role. And I'm sure Justin Tucker did that to have everybody even jump on the back of the Ravens again. Say, look how awful the Chiefs are. Their players are tossing aside our equipment. And even though... Now, Travis Kelsey's doing that to make sure his quarterback doesn't step on a stupid kicking tee and roll his ankle before the game. It was a thing that everybody could rally around and say, wow, this team needs to get humbled. They need to know their place. Well, their place is in the Super Bowl. Well, all these other teams are going to be sitting on their damn couch, on their asses, watching the Niners and Chiefs play again. That's where we're at. Four times in six years. Now, as Mahomes said in the post-game press conference, season's not done. Season's not done just yet. Uh, you can celebrate this win, but two weeks from now, they got to go do it all again. There's going to be people saying this is a nightmare matchup for the Chiefs. They can't stop the run. Oh, they don't have enough guys to defend uh, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, th- this offensive line can't handle Nick Bosa. Right? We'll, we'll hear all these you know, conversation points over the next two weeks, just in the way we did about Buffalo and we did about Baltimore and now the Niners for two weeks. It's going to happen. But here's the thing. When Mahomes is an underdog, which right now he is, I believe the line's dropped down to a point in favor of the Niners, which it started at three and a half, I believe. Mahomes beats everybody when he's an underdog. He's undefeated in Las Vegas. He's undefeated against the Niners. So just keep that in mind. You know, when you are going over a game like this, Because this Chiefs team, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, they just feel inevitable. And getting to relish uh, this five-year stretch, hell, the last six, if you want to include Patrick Mahomes' first year, even though it didn't result in a Super Bowl appearance. It's something, and we've discussed this before, you likely won't see again. It's only happened one other time in the NFL. Brady got three Super Bowls in five years, but... Remember, he missed the playoffs in one of those years. Now, Patrick Mahomes' worst season, he lost in overtime of the AFC title game. Now, there's always been this thing thrown at Patrick Mahomes after winning that first Super Bowl, why he was not in conversation of being the greatest. There are still going to be people saying, oh, Brady could never be topped. And I do believe that just with how damn good the league is now, I don't see Patrick Mahomes getting eight rings. He's still very young, but think about how hard it is to do what Brady did. Brady capitalized on a very weak division. There weren't as many AFC teams gunning for him. It was Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. Those were the two main competitors. For Patrick Mahomes, you could just argue right now there's three. There could always be one that emerges, C.J. Stroud in Houston, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, maybe Herbert and the Chargers down the road, who knows, right? But he's got Joe Burrow in the Bengals, Lamar in the Ravens, 
Allen and the Bills. Those are his three competitors on the AFC side alone. There's NFC teams that have built up rivalries against the Chiefs. The Niners are one of them. The Eagles are another. Maybe it would have been the Lions if they met in the the Super Bowl. But there's always been this knock thrown at him. Oh, well, he's really good, but he's got all these weapons around him. Okay, so you take a couple weapons away. Oh, you know, he did win an MVP. He did win another Super Bowl, but he's got Andy Reid around. That, that, you, can't, you can't factor that in. Okay, well, then you take away almost all of his receiving weapons. No more Tyreek Hill. No more Juju. His three main weapons for this team, yes, a Hall of Fame tight end in Travis Kelsey. On the back end of his career, you've got a seventh-round running back in Isaiah Pacheco, and then you've got a day-two wide receiver in Rashi Rice. Those are the three weapons. He makes it work with MVS, who he threw the ball to on their last true offensive play of the game. He's got Justin Watson. He's got Noah Gray, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's what he's working with, all right? And so the knock on this team was, well, see how ordinary he looks with normal weapons? He's not. This is a wild card team. This is a first-round exit team. And then he beats Miami, and it's, well, uh, Miami can't play in cold weather. That, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. He can't win on the road. Okay, so they go into Buffalo. They beat the Buffalo Bills, and, oh, oh well, uh, uh, Buffalo was banged up. That's why they That's why they won. You know, Patrick Mahomes still isn't, he's not impressing me that much. He, he went into Buffalo, yeah, good win, good win. Buffalo's defense was ravaged. Baltimore was a team that was supposed to crush them to snap their necks on live TV. That's what the Ravens were supposed to do, who, by the way, barely had any injuries. Guys that were on the cusp played yesterday. Then it's, well, Baltimore is going to humiliate the Chiefs. Here is what we've all been waiting for. The MVP of the league, the number one defense in the league, Harbaugh, MNT Bank Stadium, bulletin board material the Chiefs gave the Ravens in pregame, and... 17 to 10, here we are. It's it's inevitable. Now what's the excuse? Oh, officials. Oh, the, the no P.I. call in the end zone. Okay, uh, the bad holding call on Trey Smith. That took away six from Kansas City. The obvious tripping call on Gus Edwards in the end zone that would have given Kansas City a 19 to 7 lead and then the ball back in the fourth quarter. Okay, we can play the officials game all, all day long. It, it's what... High school boys, it's what I did my entire high school life watching Tom Brady. I never gave Tom Brady the credit he deserved because officials. I was 14 and 15 years old. You've got grown-ass men acting like this now, and that's a great thing to have because the Chiefs have what nobody else in this league does right now, a consistent Super Bowl winner. You can grab one. You can you can make an appearance and feel good about yourself. They've won two, and here they are for a second straight year and their fourth appearance in six years. Five. That's right, five, because you can even just rule out the first one. The first year, Bombs is the starter. So four and five. It's inevitable. It's It's supposed to be nearly impossible to do it. You know, kind of the tie in the NFC championship game right here is that Dan Campbell, who I've got plenty of thoughts on the way he coached that game last night, Dan Campbell said something that was very harsh to his team, but very true. He said, you know, it's possible this was our only shot. 
And to double on top of that, Eric Eager, a pro football focus, a great Twitter follow. He's been on Sports Radio 810 numerous times. He said, it's harsh, but it's true. It's easy, what the Lions did, to go from three wins to nine. It's easy to go from nine to 12. It's really hard to top 12 wins in an NFC championship appearance with 13 wins or 14 wins or getting the Super Bowl. That's really hard to do. The Chiefs have now done this twice. They've won a Super Bowl and gotten back to it. And the the next year, that is nearly impossible. We have seen really one team do that before, and that was New England. We have seen stretches. Cowboys. Cowboys did it. But hasn't happened in two decades. Hasn't happened in two decades. So I'll throw I'll throw Dallas a bone there. Two teams we've seen have a stretch somewhat like this because Dallas had how long was that stretch in the nineties? Well, I mean they're they're the last, so Patriots are the last team to go back to back. Yes, and Dallas is the team that did it before. Do it before them. But what was their five year stretch there? In their back to back years, what were those other two years like? I'm putting you on the spot, so I'll stall while you, while you pull up the Dallas numbers. Because New England had this stretch of five in the early 2000s where they won back-to-back. But I believe they lost in the divisional round one of those years. And one of the years, they went 9-7. and seven. So that was very early on in Brady's career. Then, what was it, a decade? It was They had been to Super Bowls, but it had been a, it'd been a decade since they had gotten back to that point. And they lost to Eli Manning and the Giants. They had great years. And they still put the fear of God in everybody around the league. They were New England. You couldn't win in Foxborough. Nobody in their division believed they could beat him. And for years and years and years, Brady just finished atop the league. He'd win MVPs. He'd win Super Bowls. And, and that was New England. Well, the Cowboys in the 90s, that's what gave the Cowboys really their power. Why we consider them... The Dallas Cowboys today. Why you, as a fan of another team, poke fun at them? So Cowboys had three in five seasons. So 92, 92. 93, mm-hmm. didn't make it in 94, and won it in 95. And what were those other two? Because this, to me, will dictate that five-year stretch. If Mahomes wins it, gets that third and five, then you kind of compare wins in those seasons where those off-seasons ended up. So right now, Mahomes does have to win. Uh, two Sundays from now. If he wins two Sundays from now, that's three and five. He's won the division every single year that he's been in the league. His worst season is an overtime loss in the AFC title game. Assuming Dallas didn't lose both those seasons in the NFC title game. So in, in 94, they did lose in the conference championship to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1994. And then the other one? Which would be, you're looking at 96? That would be 96, I believe. The fifth and final year of that that stretch. Because right now, still, if you want to play technicalities, an overtime loss is better than a regulation loss. And that's where I think it could come down to. Right? And the three and the five, you would have New England, so Troy Aikman, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes all having that five-year stretch. But then it kind of dwindles down to how many wins did you have? Your individual numbers. It would, to me... They lost in the divisional round of the Panthers. They, they, won their, mm-hmm. they won the East. They NFC got crunched East. by Carolina, too, didn't they? Yeah, 26-17. Lost in the divisional round. 
That was I think Aikman had a handful of picks in that game. So, yeah, that takes Dallas out of the running. And New England, since they lost in the divisional round one of those five years, this this is soon to be, I don't want to say soon to be, could be, is what I should say, the greatest five-year stretch in NFL history. There would be only hope for the future that somebody else could top it, but that's how hard it is to do. It's almost been like, well, it's fun to get to the Super Bowl, but you've done it so many times, you, you kind of become numb to it. And that's sickening to hear for every other NFL fan base that's still looking for number one. But I think the stretch was last night, so Dow, or uh, Detroit has been around for 58 years, is that right? And Cleveland was, the Browns that is, 55 so it was like 0-58. They had not won a Super Bowl in 58 years. The Browns, 55. And then it was like Houston because they're, you know, the Texans version, not the Oilers version. The Texans version, you know, you're getting down to the 20s and 30s range. The Chiefs have now accomplished what few teams have even come close to in their entire existence. A five-year stretch. It's mind-boggling to me that uh, Chiefs fans who, by the way, before this era were lumped in there with the other loser franchises. That That's where we were at. You know, in the 2000s, in the 2010s. Yeah, there were good seasons. They got to the playoffs. They would lose either in that first round or they'd get one and then lose immediately the next round. There was never a true Super Bowl contender on there. Maybe the 2003 team. There were a couple of '90s teams that absolutely could have done it. Yeah, '93 they went to the they lost to the Bills. Yeah, they lost to the Bills in the AFC Championship. But that's the only in, mm-hmm. in my lifetime the only time they went to the AFC Championship with Joe Montana. Yeah, the the closest they had gotten was that. And see, that's you know Rex Ryan said this today on ESPN. He said I lost in the the conference championship. I think three or four times in his coaching career. He said, you know what you get. For conference championship losses, nothing, and it haunts you forever. Because you're right there. You're right there on the doorstep. And as they say in the NFL, you're not guaranteed, just because you lost in a close game in the AFC title game, doesn't mean you automatically get back there. And that's why Philly ran Andy Reid out. Yeah. They couldn't get over that hump. He consistently went to the NFC championship Mm -hmm. and only made one Super Bowl. It it really has become that, that type of bar. In this league. And now you see what Kansas City has done. Everybody is putting that as what we have to get to. It's not realistic, but you would be lying to yourself if Baltimore wasn't going back to the drawing board and saying, how do we get to that level? How do we make it seem like this AFC title game is just another stepping stone? Right? It's a mental hurdle. If you haven't done it before, you really can't have confidence in yourself until you've done it. The only team, or actually two teams in the Patrick Mahomes era on the AFC side that have proven to themselves they could do it was New England, and New England didn't need to do it against Patrick Mahomes. They had done it six times or five times before that. More than that. Oh, there's the Super Bowl wins. They had done it damn near double-digit times. So they had already gotten over that mental hurdle. Cincinnati's really the only true one. They proved to themselves they could go into Arrowhead beat the Chiefs, and get to the Super Bowl. They didn't get a ring out of it, and then you flash forward one year, they got banged up, didn't even make the playoffs. And now financial problems are going to hurt them. Who can you keep? Who can you not? Free agents start making their way out. And then you can't afford other free agents to come build your roster. 
Every team in the league has always begged for a quarterback like Tom Brady to enter their franchise, not just because he's a Hall of Famer, not just because he had all these great numbers. It was because he could win with anybody. It didn't matter who his players were. It didn't matter who his coach was. He won one with Bruce Arians in Tampa. Tom Brady was this golden boy of if you got a Tom Brady in your franchise, it makes life so much easier on your GM, on your owner, on your president, because you can look at the team and go, well, so-and-so is going to cost a lot of money, but we can trade them away and get picks, and we feel confident we can reload this team. There's a lot of teams out there with great quarterbacks. They don't have the luxury of having a quarterback that can win with anybody. Right, Lamar, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, going to be a two-time MVP winner, he's not a quarterback that can win with anybody. It's proven that before this year, he couldn't do it. There wasn't a lot of help. There wasn't a great supporting cast around Lamar Jackson. This was the first year Patrick Mahomes really didn't have a star-studded cast around him. Hall of Fame tight end for sure. But if you're going to sit here today and go, oh, well, come on now. He had Rasheed Rice. It, nobody even gave Rasheed Rice credit until late in the season. That's a day two rookie wide receiver. Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round running back. That's finding value late in the game. Late in the draft. That's He is making it work with what he's got. And next year, the Chiefs are going to have money to spend, and they'll be able to reload this team once again. This was the doomsday nightmare scenario for the NFL. That in a down year for Kansas City, not a rebuilding year, we'll call it a reloading year, they didn't capitalize. And this is more so to the AFC side because this is who the Chiefs see for the rest of time. And I saw this tweet yesterday that just rings so true. Right? It's just the exact same feel that people have today when looking back at at Jordan in the 90s. There were so many great players in Jordan's era. There were. And, you know, to be honest, I don't want to get in the Jordan-LeBron debate, there's been great players in LeBron's era as well. But when we can look back years from now at Michael Jordan, the Bulls in the 90s, think about how many ringless players there are. And it wasn't because they weren't good enough. They just weren't Michael Jordan. They weren't the Bulls. And I think Tom Brady, you know, his run he had for his era, which stretched 20 years because he was that good for every single year of his career. But you look now at Aaron Rodgers differently. You look at Big Ben differently. You look at Peyton differently. Because this was the bar. Tom Brady was the guy. And now 20 years from now, depending where Patrick Mahomes ends up ring-wise, I mean, it's all going to be a second-place finish for everybody else. If he grabs number three, I am very confident nobody in his this quarterback era for him, Burrow, Allen, Jackson, Hurts, um, if you want to throw Brock Purdy in there now that he's been to a Super Bowl, uh, Justin Herbert, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence. I'm naming guys that are just kind of barely hanging on. 
I guarantee you there will be five or six of them that don't even combine to win the amount of Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes has. Well, some of those guys won't even make it. Exactly. I mean, that's not a re- I mean, like the It's the reality. The question is, like, who makes it to the Super Bowl next? Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? And the reality is that maybe maybe one of those guys doesn't even make it. Maybe both of them don't. Mm-hmm. We, you don't know. You don't. I mean, especially Harbaugh going to L.A., you know? Is C.J. Stroud emerging? Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're not even guaranteed to get to a Super Bowl. I mean, and that's I mean, you look at the guys that won it during Tom Brady's era. You know, Peyton still had two. Yeah, Breeze had one. Roethlisberger had a couple. But we don't look at them in the same way we do Tom Brady. Absolutely right? not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And they're great quarterbacks. They are Hall of Fame right. quarterbacks. Kurt Warner. And and that's what's so funny is I remember for a point in time. When Brady and Manning when they're, were in their heyday, there were people that still made the argument. Said, well, Peyton's better. Peyton's got better individual numbers. He does it with less than Tom Brady does. And and see, well, 20 years down the road. never the case at the wide receiver position. Exactly. Never. Exactly. Never. Peyton never didn't. He, he always, always had stars. Had, always had a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame level wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Always. And had Except Dallas went, Clark. and When he went to Denver, I, you know, he didn't have. But also. I mean, Demarius Thomas and. And good, uh, good Pro Bowl guys, yeah. Wes Welker at but, the tail end of his career, but Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, yeah, that's, those, those two dudes are, are Hall of Fame top tier, right? And back then, you could somewhat make the case while they were both playing was like, oh well, I'd take Peyton in a situation like that. But now, twenty years later, who sa- who says Peyton Manning had the better career than Brady? Nobody does. And that's why if Mahomes gets number three, and let's say next year Lamar gets one, or Allen gets one, or Joe Burrow gets one, he's going to have that ring, but. Two more to go. I mean, you also think about this, too. We're not talking about Mahomes in the same way we were when he was 24. And those other quarterbacks when they're 24, 25. Like, time has gone on. These guys are almost 30. Mm-hmm. Then you have to start questioning, well, if they ever top Mahomes ring-wise, they got to win two in three years. they got to win three and five, which just isn't likely to do. And that's this great feeling now of... In Kansas City, we've become so spoiled that there were times this year you didn't even want to watch the team. They were they had an unwatchable point. The Raiders game on Christmas Day just always pops in my mind. It was the tail end of the year, and it was like, this team isn't going anywhere. No chance. And maybe in the end, it was just Andy Reid saving everything for a run like this. This is, if he does it, if he pulls it off and wins a Super Bowl championship, this may be the most impressive Super Bowl run Mahomes has ever had. It's up there with Brady's run when he had to go through, who was it? Uh, it was, AFC title game was on the road in Pittsburgh, had to beat Big Ben, and then beat, uh, who was the 14-2 and team on the NFC side? Blanking in the moment at this, at this point in time. But that would rival Brady's stretch where he had to go up against Big Ben in Pittsburgh when that defense was ridiculously loaded. And they had to go on to the Super Bowl, and he beat a 14-2 and NFC team I am blanking on in the moment. And I don't know why they aren't coming to mind. But I'll think about it here at some point uh, over the break, because we're not done talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, your Super Bowl-bound Kansas City Chiefs for the fourth time in five seasons after their 17-10 to win over the Baltimore Ravens. I want to get into more of the game aspect itself. But Jake's got the answer. So it's Philly. Yeah. So it's Philly. It was 14-2, and that Philadelphia Eagles team. They had beaten the Steelers in the AFC title game, and somebody in the divisional round that was damn good as well. Indian, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. So it was Peyton. Yeah. Right. So it was Peyton, Big Ben, and they had to beat 
The 14 and 2 Eagles. Yeah, McNabb and the Eagles. That was uh, 04 05 season. And that was, I think, the most impressive run that Brady ever had to a Super Bowl. And that was the only time that Andy Reid made the Super Bowl with Phil. Yes. He had five yes. NFC championships, and mm. that was the only only year that that he got to the Super Bowl. I mean, this it's it's just crazy to think about that that some stretch like this, if he beats if Patrick Mahomes beats Brock Purdy two Sundays from now, it's maybe a record that never gets topped. I am I, I am going to interject something in here to the fact that Patrick Mahomes was great. Travis Kelsey was mm-hmm. great. Both of them yesterday. Hall of Fame level. That defense won the game for them. Oh man. That defense has 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 played un just out of this world. Yeah. Out of this world. That's why they are where they're at. It is because because they didn't put up a, if you told me at halftime they're gonna have to sit on the seventeen, the seventeen's gonna have to like hold that. The seventeen's gonna have to hold. Yeah. They're not gonna score another point. I would not have felt good about that. They had less than a hundred yards, I believe, in the second half. They, multiple mean, three and outs. Well, I mean, uh, they had five possessions and in, in, in multiple nothing. three and outs. Nothing, nothing. They, if it wasn't for the MV, MVS catch at the end of the game, right? I mean, Baltimore still gets a chance to not only tie that game; they could have gone for two. Five and punts and a kneel down. Ugly in the second half, but it was Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Yes. And no matter what happens, that this will be the game that when you hear the name Steve Spagnuolo ten years from now, you'll think of this game. Yeah, I mean, you the, you will think of this AFC title game in 2024. This defense has been uh, like all you heard right is Lamar MVP, Baltimore defense. Mm-hmm. That's all you heard all year long, and and valid, valid, yes. very valid. They were great. Mm-hmm. They were great, but they went up against greatness. Yeah, a team that has championship DNA, and they folded. They collapsed, and that's what happens. Yep. But that defense participated in that collapse. Spagnolo. He had a gr- great game plan. Lamar had no idea where the blitz was coming from. They didn't know when the blitz was coming. Mm-hmm. They were throwing him off. And, and look, it took some help from from Zay Flowers to have a just a complete meltdown. Yeah, right, an, an absolute meltdown. And then it took a second down interception in the end zone. But those those were huge plays made by studs, like you know. A little bit of karma there, Zay Flowers. You stand over yep. the best cornerback in the league. When he didn't even, it wasn't even Sneed's guy to begin with. It was just busted coverage, and Sneed recovered to that spot. But I think it, was a, it wasn't it was Sneed's fault. It was a lapse on whoever was on the far side of the field there, closer to the sideline. Williams, that, I think. I think, yeah, it was something like that, and decided to stand over Sneed. And how fitting is it that Sneed is the one that punches out? Also, Deion Bush is the one that has the pick when yet another safety Goes down with Mike an injury. Edwards. Yeah, it was Edwards again, who's been banged up all postseason long. And, and Deion Bush steps Stepped up. right in. Steps right into a moment like that. And Deion Bush was a signing the Chiefs had last year, I believe. It was a it was an under-the-radar. The he spent time on the practice squad. I believe Bush was either last year or this year. Just didn't even think twice about it. Oh, good safety depth. Guys like that stepping up, and Steve Spagnuolo's defense is the reason they're here today. Right. And you, you, I mean, if you're Todd Munkin today and you, you look at – what happened yesterday, we ran the ball 16 times. Mm-hmm. We ran the Com- ball. We had the best rushing offense in the league, and we ran the ball 16 Completely times. Completely abandoned. Had to. That was They were pushed into it. Yep. They were pushed into it, but they also, like I said, they participated in it. Yeah. They didn't have to go away from it. They didn't have to. They chose to. Yeah. They chose to. They didn't see any of those design run plays that, that, mm-hmm. that Lamar killed people on all year long. They went away from that, and yeah. it's like, but 
that's the that's the chess match that that Steve Spagnuolo brilliantly put them into. Yeah, and so we are talking about Patrick Holmes, rightfully so. He's the best football player on this planet playing currently. Mm. But I think the story of yesterday was that defense. I think the story of the playoffs has been defense. this defense. I mean, look, they, I mean, the only team not to give up thirty points this year mm-hmm. in the league. Yeah, I mean that that secondary has played all world. Yeah, all pros on that secondary. I mean, it, it's it, and that's the difference. Between you look at the 2021 team, and you you look at that roster, and Patrick Mahomes carried that yeah. team. Yeah, granted, had Tyree Kill, had yeah. Travis Kelsey, but you look at the the defense side of that ball. You, you know, guys like Hutchinson starting, Sorensen starting. Mm-hmm. You know, but Patrick Mahomes carried that team. He didn't. He he just had to be Patrick Mahomes he yesterday. Did. Cool, calm, make big plays when they need to be made. But that defense carried them into the Super Bowl yesterday. And I think that for sure, that like for me, that's the story. Like, And that's what makes this team so dangerous right now. Mm-hmm. Because you do have that championship DNA in the quarterback. And, you know, Kelsey, 11 for 11, first time in his career that he, he had a perfect target-catch combination in regular season or postseason. But it's like the guy, was, the, the guy showed up. You know, it, it, everybody was talking. Look at his numbers. He's down. And he's been, like, how huge now you look at that last week he took off. I mean, he looks like a rejuvenated football player. Yep. He looks like that's Travis Kelsey that we, we are familiar with. I almost think that Travis Kelsey envisioned a stretch like this in the playoffs and knew that he had to sit out that last game. You know, I'm going to bypass no question. The, the 1K receiving because I want to be healthy and ready to go for this, this Super Bowl run we're about to be on. And yesterday, I, I'll probably talk a bit more about this after the break, the fact he tosses Justin Hunker's helmet, helmet the, the footballs, the kicking tee, and then goes 11 for 11 well, for 100-plus. And mix in uh, getting Van Noy to lose his mind. Yes. Right? I mean, just everything. That is, but that's that's a Hall of Famer. That's a Hall of Famer. That's experience. He 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 was baiting him into that. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was. You saw him mixing it up after every, every play. play, right? But he did, he knew because twenty six year old Travis Kelsey is the guy who's throwing his towel at the referee, yep. mm-hmm. right? This version, he's the one who who knows the line. And Van Noy is very. He's played in Super, Super Bowl, Bowls. Super Bowl I mean, champion, and he's getting another veteran to lose his mind. And he knew. And that's again. People are going to say it's officials. Oh, Travis Kelsey's taunting, but they flag Zay Flowers and Kyle Van. No, it's about playing the moment. Right. It's always the second guy who retaliates. It's not. It's not going to be the first guy. It's the guy who strikes too. Yeah, like with Lejarius Sneed, I think he held on to Zay Flowers' ankle a bit too long. But you know what happened? Zay Flowers shoved him down, got up, and spun the ball. It's the second guy. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey, yeah, he's John with who, the entire Ravens defense yes, at that play. Everybody. And Kyle Van Noy comes in in front of an official and headbutts him. Automatic. It's easy like that, and that's championship DNA. I want to talk more about this defense, so let's real quickly take a break and wrap up the show going over one of the greatest performances in the Steve Spagnuolo era in Kansas City. That's next on ESPN Kansas City. I can honestly say this, man. They was looking past us. They was already at the Super Bowl. I can say they act like they wasn't worried about us at all. Mm. But, you know, we had the mindset in that we got to handle this game. And they didn't have the mindset. And they're a great team, great coaches, and great everything around the organization. I can say, man, we just came with a different mindset than them. That was Legereus Sneed. You just heard right there, bringing us back into the shift on ESPN Kansas City. 
Jake, you know, alongside Snead, who I have all just completely turned over a new leaf on this player because of how he acts after wins, it's Donovan Smith. Did you see Donovan Smith on his Instagram Live the other day filming the Ravens post game? Like they had a TV in their locker room, it was Roquan Smith, and he's just talking all kinds of trash on Roquan Smith, how he was talking during the game, how sad he is, keep crying. Donovan's re sign the man now, honestly. Re sign the man because he's also one who leaked the info that Buffalo turned off the heat for their showers, turned off the heat in their water in the Chiefs locker room last week. He's he's a guy I can root for now. Chiefs on social media is chippy. <laughs> Justin Reed is another oh, yeah. fantastic follow. He's taking Tyron Matthews' role. Yeah. Of, it's, it's great. <laughs> and, and, out. and a guy who should get a lot of credit yesterday who was all over, and I think arguably one of the best players on the field was, was Drew Tranquil. Oh, my he God. He was great. I can't believe the Chargers let him walk, and I know that they can't control where he goes afterward, but uh, Drew Tranquil is another guy you have to bring back next year um, because – Remember everybody's panic when Willie Gay was ruled out? Yeah. Next spasm. And we're going, if Leo Chanel is the spy in this game, or if it's Bolden or Tranquil, Tranquil and Chanel, well, Chanel missed the sack on Lamar that resulted in their only touchdown of the game. But those two held their own for the most part. Nick Bolden, different outcome. I didn't think Nick Bolden was that great. But 10 points is 10 points. Defense did their damn job, and I love in the pregame, you know, we mentioned Kelsey and Mahomes, you know, going back at it with Justin Tucker. The defense, the secondary guys, I think it was Jalen Watson, you know, nearly got in a fight or did get in a fight with whoever the the Baltimore cornerback was. I'm blanking on his name, but he was the one who MVS burned on the final play of the game. Like, again, you're talking about the karma for all of it. What I love is that every other fan – in the world, rooting against the Chiefs, thinks that fights in the pregame, the Chiefs being petty, is like bulletin board material for the other team. Yet, we think they just don't hear all the stuff that is said about them on ESPN, on NFL Network, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. They see all of it, and it fuels them. They don't care about players getting chippy with them. They don't care that people hate them. They don't care that, you know... They're being called certain things. They're going to give it to you, and then they're going to beat you and take their trophy back home. They've done it now five straight years. They just continue to beat down on the rest of the AFC. But I don't think they take home that trophy yesterday if it wasn't for Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Uh, This was a Ravens offense that could hang 50 on you. Twice last year, I went back and rewatched it. Colin Coward and Jason McIntyre all week long brought up the fact that uh, Baltimore can can clobber them. They've got that ability. Jason McIntyre's projection was like 38-14 Baltimore. Now, Jason McIntyre, I think, has been wrong at every single one of his picks in the playoffs. But, again, that national pundits say outlandish things to get clicks. We, we know that's how it works. Hell, we could do that all the time here on this show. It just say outlandish things and probably get more downloads than we usually do. But we try to keep it for the most part sane. And even though at times we'll lean biased, being ESPN Kansas City, we know that we're not going to make crazy predictions. We didn't think that the Chiefs would blow out the Ravens, and it didn't happen. They won by seven points. But this idea that Baltimore would run all over the Chiefs, the Chiefs had nobody to slow down, Lamar Jackson. And I'm sure... All week long, the Chiefs paid attention to that, that defense, because they didn't get any credit. They still don't get any credit because the Chiefs are always known to be 
Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco. That's what it's been all year long. We don't even credit the defense. Yet, here we are. They are in the Super Bowl again because of this defense. The big stops. You know, the offense didn't score in the second half, yet the defense forced a turnover. They forced three and outs. They were not penalized as heavily. Now, some people will say, oh, it's because the officials have it rigged in for the Chiefs. There were plays. They were just smart. Deep balls down the sideline. Not grabbing the arm. There was one that was questionable, I think, on Joshua Williams, I think on OBJ. But still, it was for half a second. It's physical in a game like that. There were people saying there was P.I. on the interception Lamar had. He threw it in the triple coverage. And there, you can make an argument. There might have been a little bit. There is, but I don't think you reward throws like that. No. And I don't think Lamar would, would say that you reward a throw. He didn't see Deion Bush, and I think it was a, a panic throw a little bit. Um, but this defense, getting pressure on Lamar, uh, there were a couple of times that he was able to extend a play. I mean, his touchdown play, after that play, to Zay Flowers, I'm going, this is going to be a shootout. This will feel like last week where it's just back and forth. The defense stood up after that. And really, I was telling multiple people, if Leo Chanel, which he's a rookie in a moment, got, I think, a little overzealous, and Drew Tranquil did the same thing uh, later on in the game. He, he went high on Lamar. Lamar just dipped and escaped the pocket, but I don't think he had anybody to throw to. But Chanel, no rookie in that moment, getting to Lamar Jackson there, he just kind of jumped the gun. But if he wraps up Lamar there, the Ravens don't have a score for three quarters of that game. They couldn't get anything going. And, you know, if we're going to bring up officials, can we talk about Gus Edwards blatantly tripping Chris Jones in the end zone that would have been a safety? Like, Chris Jones was manhandling Baltimore's offensive line. Charles O'Menohue, who, thank God, he said he's going to be ready to go to the Super Bowl. That could be a player on adrenaline saying, I'm going to play. I thought his season might have been done, a knee injury. I think it was non-contact as well. It was scary. But Charles O'Menohue, I mean, our very own Curtis Seabold over on Sports Radio 810 said, that's shades of Derek Thomas. And it was. Coming around the edge and perfectly executing the strip sack in the way that Derek Thomas did so many times in his career. Hitting the arm right where it, right on the elbow, basically. Where your arm can bend. That's the, that's the spot as an edge rusher they tell you to hit. Because if you hit that spot in a quarterback's arm, they, the ball automatically comes out. You hit their wrist, you're kind of just hoping they're not gripping the ball as tight. You hit them on the forearm, they've still got or the, the bicep, excuse me, they still still got their entire forearm, their strength there to hang on to the football. You hit them there on the elbow, it's a natural human reaction to drop the ball. And Lamar did. And George Karloftis, unlike last week with a handful of Chiefs defenders, he fell on the football. He didn't try to go pick it up and run, fell on the football. Smart coaching, smart decision-making. And this defense got to Lamar a handful of times, even if they didn't corral him. It's forcing him to go outside the pocket, whereas I thought going into this game, it's different with Lamar and Josh Allen. Josh Allen rolls out. I think there's a pretty good chance he finds somebody down the field. He's got the arm strength to throw across his body, against his body, and hit Stephon Diggs or Shakir or Kincaid or Knox. Lamar, I think needs the play to be a little bit more designed than Allen. I don't think that Lamar likes to go off script as much. Now his one touchdown, that's off script. But we saw a lot of times when he was under duress, 
there wasn't much there. I think he was more inclined to just get rid of the ball than to force something. And then when he did have to force something, triple coverage. Deion Bush picks him off. Steve Spagnolo had discombobulated Lamar all game long. Lamar never looked comfortable, to be honest with you. Even in that first drive. I mean, how incredible is it? And it worked, and there also was a holding that was missed on this play. But again, I'm not going to say officials, officials, officials. If we're going to play that game, we can find calls on both sides that were not great from that crew. But in that fourth and one run that Lamar had, like the fact that Baltimore in that moment felt like we got to go for this because the Chiefs got the ball after a three and out and marched down the field. Travis Kelsey was phenomenal. Touchdown 7-0. Baltimore from the get-go had the fear of, oh boy, uh, we could be in for a long, we have to go for it here. It worked out for him, and that was really the last time I saw Lamar look comfortable in the game. And even then on the run, instead of breaking away, he was worried about LeJarrius Sneed chasing him down. And Sneed caught up to him. That could have been a that could have been six right there. To me, though, it, this defense has just given a whole new identity. And once you got Baltimore behind, they were 0-24 in their last 24 games when facing a double-digit deficit at halftime. Now it's 25. It's a mental thing. And this defense has given so many mental hurdles to offenses facing them because they're not talked about a lot, yet they were a top-five scoring defense in the league. They were near the tops in the league in sacks. They've got a great secondary. Trenton McDuffie, that's one play I want to talk about. It was right before the Zay Flowers fumble, but just had, it was either Flowers or OBJ, completely blanketed, dove and knocked the ball away, and you couldn't even make a case for pass interference. Like, just stuck to him the entire round. And he did that multiple times in this game. That's why he got Pro Bowl honors. And McDuffie, now two for two in getting the Super Bowl. A blue-chip cornerback. And then LeJarrius Sneed, the best cornerback on this team, and once again, doing his job, punching the ball out after you know Zay Flowers breaks free on a busted coverage play, the only real bad defensive play, I think, on the day for the Chiefs, and then just the smart heads-up play to not try to tackle him, as most guys would do in that moment, just punch the ball out. A vulnerable spot. McCole Hardman, same thing last week, reaching the ball. It's dangerous. And Snead punched it out inches before it hit the goal line. This defense is so smart. They are so intelligent, and what's more, they're young. It's a young deep. There are a lot of guys on that defense that are still younger than 25. McDuffie, Watson, Williams, Chennault. Young guys getting big snaps. Turk Wharton's getting big snaps yesterday. Has to. Derek Nani's out. Karloftis. Young guys that are making plays. Of course, you've got your studs. Chris Jones, Charles Amenhew, Jarius Sneed, Drew Tranquil. you got older guys. But still, it feels like, man, this defense is everything the Chiefs have wanted for a decade plus. I know in, uh, what was it, the 2013, one of the years that Bob Sutton was, so they had the number one defense in the NFL, but the offense is one that lacked behind. Now, there were a couple of years the Chiefs' defense was damn good. They just never had the offense to pair with it. Now you kind of got both. And, Jake, you and I discussed this, and I want to give credit to you because you said, you know, in a year like this, even though we could have looked back and go, well, they didn't get to the Super Bowl because, you know, it wasn't there weren't many wide receivers they could use in that offense. The, the tackles didn't play that well. But you said 
along the lines of, well, it's going to sting a little bit if they waste a year that the defense has been this good. And I think that's exactly right. I'm not sure with Chris Jones' uncertainty in the offseason, Legere's need, I'm not sure this group is going to look all the same next year, which is why when you get a defense like this in Kansas City and a quarterback like Mahomes, it's just like with Brady in New England. There were a couple of years he won a Super Bowl where the offense was meh. And the defense was damn good. The defense carried them to a Super Bowl. Uh, I just want to get some last thoughts from you, Jake, before we wrap up the show. Uh, this defense, um, what was the most impressive part of the game? Winning the turnover battle, holding Lamar pretty much down in the first half, or slowing down the running game. Of those three, which was the most impressive to you? Or if you want to throw in a fourth one, not being penalized in big moments, that can absolutely be thrown. No, I, I think winning the turnover battle was the biggest, most important part of that game. I mean, I think they they forced the, – because I wouldn't even really say they, they, they slowed or stopped the, the Ravens' running game. They shut themselves down in the running game mm-hmm. because they just didn't – They stopped they, running. Stopped running. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that for me, it's a team that was – what second to last in turnover ratio? Mm-hmm. You know, the, against a team that had the number one turnover yep. ratio, to force them into those huge turnovers for me that that is that is that's why this game ended up as a Chiefs win. That they they won the most important part of the game, mm-hmm. right? Turning the ball over, they won that, and and it's like they had to be perfect, and they were. Yeah, they needed to have their best game of the season in a moment like that. Uh, what a win for Kansas City. I would argue this was the most impressive win that Mahomes has had going on the road to Baltimore. Maybe the best team he's ever faced, and that's including a Super Bowl. Right. I, I still I, I, I can't disagree with that completely, but I will say being down 10 points in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, that, yes. for me, that's, that's, that's a hard one to beat. That, that really you're, is. You're with that Niners defense, too. Double digits to the Niners in the fourth quarter of the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. To come back and win that game, it's, you know. But for me, top three, no question. No question. Well, hope they don't trail by 10 to the, the Niners in the fourth quarter this go-around because it will be the Chiefs and the Niners in the Super Bowl in Vegas two Sundays from now. That'll do it for another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Don't you come back no more.